eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Podcast. Back for another week for another little roundup of college football and the goings-on. Um, joined by the two Thomases, Thomas Robbery and Tom Borrett. How are you boys? Tom, we'll start with you. I believe you're away sunning yourself in Portugal. <laughs> yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, yeah, correct, I am in Portugal, um, but we've got time for a college football chat. So um, yeah, thanks for having me on again. Looking forward to discussing um, week four with you guys. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I appreciate you coming on, especially when you're away. I appreciate that very, very much. Good to have you on. Thomas, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, very good, thanks. Very, very good. Um, so yeah, we're just going to dive in really. Uh, we've got a few games to cover uh, in a few conferences and then we're just going to start off with the Derek King news and sort of the storyline that that's sort of been unfolding over the last 24 hours or so. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, this is the Houston quarterback, Derek King. He has announced that he's going to sit out the rest of the season in redshirt. This is obviously under the new redshirt rule that you can play up to four games in a season and then still redshirt and not burn a year of eligibility. Um, so on the face of things, when this came out, uh, I would say yesterday, um, it's kind of on the face of it. I think I had everyone thinking that he's going to sort of go to a big school and kind of follow down the uh, the road that Jalen Hurts is going down and kind of, you know, go for a championship or go for a Heisman as a personal honour or a team honour and um, and sort of say goodbye to Houston. But he's come out and he said he's going to stay at Houston. And um, not really said much else more, to be honest with you. He left it a bit of a mystery, but he said that he will be back. Um, Tom, I'll come to you for your thoughts on Derek King. How do you, how, what, do you, how, what do you sort of read into this? It's a bit of an odd one for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I'm, I'm sort of late come to the party. I was doing some research earlier and so on. Um, but yeah, I, th- I mean, it is an odd one. Um, but at the same time, I think as... As a player, I can well not as in that I'm a player, but I think from his perspective, I can can kind of understand. I think where he's coming from in the sense that, obviously, Houston haven't started well this year. Um, neither is he necessarily, and I think he's kind of, as you said, preserving. I know he may not be going to a bigger school, but he's kind of preserving that final year where I think he really does need to make a statement um, uh, before hopefully going to the NFL. I think. Also, interestingly, I didn't know if you uh, were aware, but senior wide receiver Keith Corbin, um, mm. who's also at Houston, has announced as well that he's also going to redshirt and return in 2020. Um, and and they've sort of got, both gone down that sort of route of saying the opportunity to take time and focus on like the degree um, mm. and then a, a chance to sort of develop as a student athlete is, is why they've made the decision to do so. So, yeah, it is a strange one. It's a new one. Certainly, he's the first player to sort of capitalise on this mm-hmm. uh, ruling. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out next year. Yeah, definitely, Thomas. What what do you think? What, firstly, what do you think on Derek Derek King and and uh, Keith Corbin, as as Tom said? Um, I think Derek King is one of the most electric players in college football, or at least he was last year. Um, and this year, I'll be honest, he's been really underwhelming. Mm-hmm. I think he's thrown in four games against. Um, I think it was Oklahoma Week One, and then Prairie View. Washington State and Tulane. Um, he's only really thrown for like two touchdowns max in those games, like um, like one in each game and two mm-hmm. against Washington, I think. And he's just been underwhelming. I think it's a point, a case of he's had a bad start to the season. 
Houston are <laughs> one and three, I, feel, I believe. And That's correct. Yeah. He knows this year's not going to be very good, so he's decided redshirt it and either come back again next year. Or my belief is he's going to a bigger school, like go to Oklahoma, go replace Jalen Hurts or something. So you think, you think he's going to go back on his word a little bit and you think he'll be sort of tapping out and sort of leaving Houston a lot and, uh, like like I said before, sort of pursuing a team or a, a personal honour? Yeah, because he gets... Um, because he's graduated already, hasn't he? So he can mm-hmm. just play straight away. Yes. Um, he doesn't owe Houston anything. Plenty of guys have graduated and played elsewhere. I think Russell Wilson did from North Carolina. Like, he did. Went, went to NC State. So, you know, other players have done it. I don't know why he wouldn't. And let's be honest, he's an undersized guy. He needs mm-hmm. to look incredible. Having a year in Lincoln Riley's system, that's going to do it for him. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think, like, like you, both you guys have touched on, I think it is a performance-based thing. Because um, he's he's been underwhelming, he's not had great stats. He's not looked particularly great uh, throughout the start of the season. And I guess Tom, do you think this will become sort of a fixture now moving forward that you'll sort of see people hit this week four deadline and and kind of do this and kind of sort of like you say preserve the eligibility for another year? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, obviously we're we're sort of second year into the rule, um, but I think i don't see why it won't happen um I, th- I think again people have got to be a bit selfish um they're in their final year if they've completed the degree as thomas says then they don't really owe anything um and it's an interesting point actually because obviously he's come out and said that i'm i'm, I'm going to stay but I, it's good to hear that thomas thinks that he, there's a good chance he's actually going to go back on that um just on the oklahoma point i mean i know he's a very very good player but i think it'd be interesting because spencer rattler is uh mm. i know he's snaps at the minute as well at the end of games because um, um, obviously Jalen Hurst is, is, is looking incredible but they're sort of resting towards the end and, and Rattler was again a bit highly recruited if not the highest recruited quarterback um, in last year's um, uh, like college uh, recruitment if you like from, mm-hmm. from high school yeah. um, that would be an interesting one I don't know if it would be as straightforward as Jalen Hurst going to Oklahoma this year um, but yeah I think <laughs> long answer to the question I think we will see it more often yeah, as do too. I really do. I think you know, once it's been brought in, uh, people are going to sort of find a way around it. It's what happens all the time in, in not even just college football or the NFL. It happens in all sports. People bring in a rule and people find a way to circumvent it and take advantage of it. So yeah, I don't think this will be the last we see of this. Not by a long way. Um, so yeah, no, I just wanted to sort of get that out there. I think it's quite an interesting subject. I think it's going to bring in a bit, bit of a, maybe a new dawn, like I say, of, of this new rule being used by players. And I think, you know, for, well, the Houston fans are sort of a bit irate about this. Obviously, they're going to lose their quarterback. They're kind of writing off the year almost in terms of they've had a bad start and now they, you know, it's probably not going to get better. They've only got one other quarterback on the roster. And also, fantasy players are going to be really peeved as well because the Eric King was going to be taking draft, uh, taking in drafts very, very high uh, in you can play college fantasy. So, yeah, a lot of people peed off uh, about this. But it's just one of those things. I guess if the colleges started paying players, then they would you know, have more sort of leeway in sort of keeping them. But that's another story, I guess, just touching on what we talked on last week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just want to move on to the games. Uh, we'll start over in the Pac-12. I think we'll start on the Pacific Coast. Uh, with We saw a hugely, well, a really high-scoring game between UCLA and Wazoo. And obviously, as we mentioned last week, we've got Thomas on here, who is a UCLA fan. And a week after I was slagging off Chip Kelly and saying he's been really bad, he pulls this out. So, Tom, go on, tell us all about it. How how did you see this, and how did they how did they even bring it back? Because it was a big deficit until quite late. Um, well, I went to sleep the night before because I expected 
19 ranked Washington State to a handily beat us. And obviously woke up, saw the score, saw the comeback, watched it. And with, I believe, 16 minutes left, no, 20 minutes left, it was the mm-hmm. entire fourth quarter and six minutes in the third quarter. Yeah. It was a 32-point deficit for UCLA to overcome. And then they went on six straight touchdown drives, including two kick returns, um, four TDs from D- uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And the defense suddenly stepped up, got a couple takeaways, got an interception, got two fumbles. And it was genuinely one of the r- most ridiculous games of football I've ever watched. Yeah, no, I'd completely agree with that. I think it's those returns, isn't it? They sort of kind of break the back. Um, you were you were talking to me, I must have been the day after the game, about a particular wide receiver that, that you were sort of having your eye on, kind of being the catalyst of the, the comeback. Yeah, it was uh, Dimitrik Felton, who went off in the first game of the season as well. He had uh, like two catches for 80-something yards, mm-hmm. and one of them was a long of 75. But in this game, he had seven catches, 150 yards, two touchdowns, and then he had one kick return for 100 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> Yeah, not a bad, like, not a bad all-round game. <laughs> no, he just went off, and it, it was like. And then our other kick returner, Kyle Phillips, had one punt return, sixty-nine yards, and a touchdown. So like they, they maximised the returns they got. There wasn't many punts in the game because both defenses were kind of <laughs> terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but, but the two that UCLA got, they managed to return and you know make them count, which was which was needed because the, as much as I love what um, DTR did in that game, he did kind of struggle. Like there mm-hmm. was a, a few throws. Whereas like, oh, I wish he'd ran that or thrown it away. But I mean, he went 25 or 38, 507 yards, five touchdowns and just the one pick. But it was just like, I don't know. He could, I think he could have had a couple of those throws back, but the return team helped and it worked. So I'm not, I'm not fussed. We've got the win finally. Biggest comeback in college football history, I think. Mm-hmm. So I, I still don't like Chip Kelly, mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll have, to, we'll have to save that one for another day um, because he's just brought that... Well, his team just brought that back for him anyway. I know you wanted to kind of vent on it last week, but, you know, you're nitpicking a, a quarterback there that's run over 500 yards, so you're holding to high standards over here. Uh, the kid is, you know, very highly... Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, ...like, respected, and we wanted him to do a lot more than he has. And obviously, OK, yeah, he went off in this game, but, like, the quarterback for Washington State threw nine touchdowns and lost. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. <laughs> so I was just about to come on to that. Like, that was my instant reaction to this game. I was kind of... I was at a wedding, obviously. I, I don't know if I mentioned that um, last week. Um, so I didn't actually watch this game. <laughs> and then I woke up, watched the box, looked to the box score, and saw that Anthony Gordon threw for nine touchdowns and lost. So I just did not know how that happened. And yeah, this is a pretty crazy game. Uh, I'd recommend everyone to go back and watch this on your ESPN player if you can do. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's just one for it's one for the it's a feast of the eyes of college football, really. I, I don't know if you're aware, but during the during the week leading up, Mike Leach, the Washington State coach, mm-hmm. posted a GIF or a meme of um something from SpongeBob, I think, or um it was from something, and it was mocking Dorian Thompson Robinson. Okay, no, I, did, I missed and then, this. And then I, I retweeted it, so if you want to see it, just go on my uh, Twitter. But, um, okay. Yeah, he mocked him saying that he like fakes left, he fakes right. Actually, he faked himself and like got tackled or something, okay. taking the mick out of him. And then DTR <laughs> went off. So I want every coach to take the mick out of Dorian Thompson Robinson before games because it works. Yeah, it must do. Maybe that's the motivation. Mike Leach is a pretty pretty wild character to be I was fair. Say, he's, he's a funny bloke. Some of the stuff he goes into in press conferences. Did, did you did either of you see that thing where he was talking about like the mascots, the mascots. teams fighting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was. That was really special. I'd recommend anyone to watch that. Mike Leach. Well, I'll just recommend anyone to watch Mike Leach in, in general, to be honest. 
but, but yeah, I mean, on this one briefly, I think it's just a great advert for college football. Although, mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned the defence as Thomas, but it, it was very much a case of tackling was strictly optional. Um, <laughs> I, I was, I, I, it came on just after uh, Georgia Notre-Dame, which we'll get to later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was just before half time. I think I think Washington State had just gone thirty four seventeen up and had two sort of quick touchdowns. Um, and it, I see it's three and zero playing own three at home. Um, I was like, it's time to hit the hay. It was about four thirty in the morning. Um, <laughs> and then thought saw saw that the next day. So I've obviously watched back the the replays and stuff. But yeah, what what a game. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Like I say, we recommend it to anyone. Thomas, I just want to come back to you actually, just about one player that you mentioned. I just wanted to sort of get your sort of opinion. On uh, on Felton, the wide receiver you mentioned earlier, I just want to sort of sort of give people a bit of a player profile on him, if you could. Um, he's obviously not someone who's sort of on the national scene, not really been talked about too much, but obviously he's got talent. So I just want to sort of see from a sort of fan's point of view if you could just give a sort of a bit of a rundown of him. Uh, yeah, um, I'm just trying to quickly find someone out, but um, he plays mainly wide receiver but he actually lined up at running back first game of the season as well he okay. obviously kick returner as well he's a junior um lights out speed like theo howard is the number one guy like theoretically for ucla mm-hmm. but felton's speed his diversity like being able to play running back wide receiver kick return um you know he, he's got the raw tools to be very very good okay um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I expect him to explode a lot more in an offense. It seems to be finally opening up. Um, just, just keep an eye on him because he's going to be a big play every week. He's had like one touchdown of 75 yards on a receiving play. Um, he's had kick returns. He's had seven catches, 150 yards. Like the guy can do everything, and he will run through a player if he needs to. So yeah, just keep an eye on him because he's going to be exciting this year. So we're we talking about like a good table on Austin then. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like somebody's not quite as gadgety as Tavon Austin, but definitely yeah. <laughs> got size and speed to just take off defense if you wanted to. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds like something we need to keep our eye on. Um, okay, so I just wanted to move on from that and just move on to the game that Tom mentioned. Uh, and we're just going to move on to uh, Georgia Notre Dame. Sorry, I kind of had a little bit of mind blank there. Tom, what do you what do you think of this one? You obviously watched this keen uh, keen to sort of talk about Jake from I'd imagine. Yeah, just just really excited for this game all in all uh, before before it started. Um, George's first real real test of the season. Obviously, I'm a big Jake from fan. Obviously, Notre Dame made it to the playoffs last year. I thought it'd be um, a great matchup, and, and it definitely didn't disappoint. Really, um, few kind of talking points. For me, uh, please chip in where possible because otherwise I'll just ramble on. <laughs> I think, firstly, a shout out does have to go to the crowd. Um, it was uh, record attendance at, in Athens, over 93,000 there. Um, I don't think the TV probably did it justice, but the noise was crazy. I think mm-hmm. it was referenced by Kirby Smart and from afterwards, um, saying the crowd sort of definitely played their part. Um, so, I mean, there was, there, was a few, there was a few times when sort of timeouts were taken. Um, uh, by Notre Dame, and I think it was very much a case of like they the comms just weren't loud enough, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, the, the crowd was crazy. So I think the the Georgia fans can definitely sort of um, feel partly responsible for their win there. Um, for me personally, overall as a game, I just think it, it was it was a battle of the defenses really. Um, 
Notre Dame was solid. I mean, it, it took Georgia a while to get the run game going. Then again, Georgia's defence really showed up and I was super impressed with them. They kept Notre Dame down to 46 total yards of rushing, a couple of interceptions. Um, looking at the box scores, again, you probably wouldn't say that Ian Book had a fantastic game, but he did look good. He was he was good with his feet. He he I I, I thought I thought he he had a great synergy he with with a couple of players in particular, the tight end Cole Kemet, he was mm-hmm. he was higher. I mean, nine receptions, hundred and eight yards, one touchdown. It was it was almost a case of right, well, if you can just stop him then you're you're gonna be you're right, Georgia, but I mean, for a huge guy, he seemed to be open quite a lot. Mm. Um, and then the other one as well was the wide, the wide receiver, uh, Chase Claypool. Yeah. Uh, six receptions, six yards, one touchdown. He's a big guy. Um, and, and, and and I thought he had a good game. Um, Jake from man management, he, 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 I mean, he, he was 20 for 26, um, which is which is obviously pretty good. One touchdown. He rushed in on a couple of occasions as well. Mm-hmm. Um and I think he made a pretty ugly win look better than it was. If I'm being completely honest, for me, Georgia, I mean, for Georgia to keep Notre Dame down to 46 total yards of rushing, um, mm. so like, yeah, but I also feel like they, sh- they should have scored more as well. I think they should have won by more. They won by six points in the end. It's a six point game, and Notre Dame, it was a Hail Mary, but did technically have a chance at the end to. To take yeah, the win. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all, all in all, it was a great game. I, I really enjoyed it. Again, a good advert for college football. For me now, that's Georgia sort of set. They, they're not really going to face another team. I mean, they've, the only two that stand out on their schedule is Florida, if they continue to play well. Um, but Kelly Bryan at Mizzou, they're starting to get clicking now and he's starting to look really good. So I don't think they're going to face another quarterback as good as Book until they play uh, Kelly Bryant and Mizzou um, so uh, well until they get to the SEC uh-huh. championship then, which is what might yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah big ramble from me there a few different points so feel free to, to no no um, just yeah. let you go because you're making great points first of all crowd yeah like you say it's always a big part of college football I always feel like the college football crowds are a lot more partisan than than the NFL crowds and kind of get into it a little bit more not that you know not that all NFL crowds is quiet or it's kind of bad or anything like that. I just think it's always a little bit, a little bit more edgy, a little bit, a few more decibels in the crowd when it comes to college football. It makes a lot of difference. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a fair point. I'd say that this is very Jake from game. Like you say, he made an ugly game, and with Jake from, you know, he's kind of like in a safe pair of hands. When it comes to like an ugly game, you know that Jake from will make the correct decisions. You know he's not going to make a like an error that's going to lose you the game, which I feel like is a great quality to have. <laughs> like, and I think. You know, people we see it with uh, with quarterbacks in the NFL where they get the given the game manager title, and I think Jake Fromm should wear that with a badge of honor, as a, as a badge of honor, should I say? 100%. Because there's nothing that you want that you don't want less than to watch a quarterback go out for your team and always have it in the back of your mind that this guy might make a mistake that will lose you the game. You know, yeah. Jake Fromm's not going to do that. He's you know. He's accurate. He's not going to rack up a load of yards sometimes. He's only going to throw one touchdown, but he's not going to throw any picks. He's going to put the ball in the hand of DeAndre Swift and all the other runners that Georgia have got. And that's how they're going to win the game. And that's what it's about. It's about winning the game. You know, Georgia are 4-0, like you say, sitting pretty. They've negotiated one of the games that we both sort of said at the start of the season, this is kind of one that they could lose. Yeah. And they've, they've come through it. And it's just about coming through the tests and 
yeah, that's all. That's what you want at the end of the day. That's that's something that I would draft as a general manager. So yeah, yeah. no, it's it's it, you know, it's like I say, it's not going to blow the doors off you. It's not going to wow everyone. He's not going to be a Patrick Mahomes who's going to throw for you know five thousand yards a season. But he's going to be pretty good. And yeah, he's he's only adding to his CV. But with games like this, for me, not not taking away. Hundred percent, and he, and he's just a leader, isn't he? Again, I was watching College Game Day beforehand, and they kind of have a segment on it. Obviously, they were in Athens for College Game Day, and I mean, the, I think the respect that he's just got from not only the team but the staff, the people sort of that support the the, the campus, if you like, he's, mm. he, he, that is just his team. Um, there was quite a nice little segment as well. They spoke about how his uh, his grandma makes these fruit cookies, and he makes sure he always sorts out the offensive linemen so uh, that the, the team are looked after. But it's just like all these little bits and bobs, and he constantly talks about how he just wants to make sure that he can facilitate everyone else's game and make sure everyone else can get better as well around him. Um, I just think he's, he's he ticks every box. Yeah, he may not be as flashy the tour or I don't know, obviously just into the NFL now, like Kyler Murray last year. Mm-hmm. He's not making mistakes. He's he's got a cool head and he's a leader. Yeah, definitely. And like you say, he's a smart man because every quarterback's got to keep his offensive line happy. <laughs> so yeah, no, definitely, definitely agree with that one. We'll stay in the SEC for our next game and we'll talk about. I think you mentioned it again earlier. We'll talk about Texas A&M and Auburn. Um, obviously, Auburn coming through this and again another team looking sitting pretty pretty uh, at pretty pretty. Is that even a? That's not a praise, is it? <laughs> sitting sitting pretty at four and zero. After a good start of the season, coming through a couple of tests. Obviously, we had the Oregon game first up, and now obviously this one, which I think we again earmark these as big games for Auburn to come through. And yeah, they're, they're coming through the, the tests. And how how should I put this? Bo Nix isn't sort of the driving force behind it. It's there, sort of not have, doing it in the way that Georgia are, where the the quarterback is kind of managing through this. They're doing right. it by other means, I guess, but they're still getting the job done none, nonetheless. Exactly. How did you see this one? Yeah, well, it's, it's exactly that. It's through other means. It's their defence that won them mm. in this game, uh, for sure. Um, Texas A&M just could not run the football at all. Um, I think they had a team rushing total of 21, uh, sorry, of 56 yards from 21 attempts, an average of 2.1 per carry. Um, people spoke about Auburn's defence in the preseason, and, and it's starting to live up to it. Um, Kellen Mond is a good quarterback, but they were so one-dimensional. He threw 49 times. Mm. Um, 49 attempts, should I say, 31 completions. Like at home, it's 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 not great. And and if I'm being completely honest, look at the box score. It actually flatters Texas A&M, and and, I, and I'm a fan. Um, but it took 17 points in the fourth quarter to make it look like it was a game. Um, Tamu had uh, three times as many passing yards as Auburn. So again, he Mon didn't even play that badly. I don't think Texas A&M even played that badly. But the Auburn defense. <laughs> We talk, about, oh, we talk about uh, tackling being strictly optional in the UCLA Wazoo game. In this, it was just a case of absolutely no yards after contact. I mean, mm-hmm. virtually none. Whenever a time a receiver caught the ball, they were hit and they were tackled and they were stopped dead. And if you're doing that to a team, then you're going to keep the points total down no matter how many sort of plays they, plays they have. Um, yeah, I don't know how much of it you've seen, but that Auburn defence was, was solid. Yeah, definitely. And there's well, there's a couple of points I want to make. I'll come on to the, a, a certain player in a moment. But yeah, like you say, we've sort of seen Auburn sort of be be this defensive base team and come through tests. And I think, like you say, it comes down to just being solid fundamentally in terms of your tackling. And you know, it's a player that I 
sort of didn't rate as much as other players at the position, but Derek Brown is really coming to the fore. And maybe I'm just late on this one, but I had other players ahead of him. Uh, but Derek Brown got two sacks um, just and just stuffed runs. Um, I think he's got four of the tackles in the game. And he's just a presence. He just sort of makes you think twice, I guess, running it up, up the middle and, and trying to run against him. And like you say, Texas a m only ran the ball 12 times with... Well, without Kellen Mond, who ran it nine times, and you know you want to want a balanced game, like you say, they're so one-dimensional, and it's just not the way they want to be. And this wasn't, like you say, this wasn't Kellen Mond not playing well, like he, you know, like we said against Clemson. This was yeah. just Auburn being very, very good, and they are better than I expected. I, I didn't really rate Auburn towards the no. the start of the season. We didn't really think they were going to have a great season. Obviously, they had the rookie, who, like you say, he's not. He's kind of doing enough, but he wasn't sort of the driving force behind any of this. But no, Auburn looked really good, and I think they deserve that uh, ranking of seventh overall. Certainly, certainly, and I think also I think it's just a, in fairness to Gus Malzahn, I think I think the Auburn uh, coaching staff simply outcoached uh, Jimbo and Texas A&M. Um, he, he made reference in his post-match uh, presser about how they knew they were going to blitz, they knew they were going to come up after Bo um, with a sort of an experience. Um, so they knew that they, they, they planned it. They had to get the ball to the perimeter and, and that's what they did. And sure enough, Tamu blitzed. They managed to get the ball to the outside. Um, I think the opening, opening drive, four plays and then 75 yards, uh, four plays for 75 yards and then uh, Anthony Schwartz um, on the sweep <laughs> play, mm-hmm. 50 yards um, and he's so fast. Um, and, he, and he just wasn't he just wasn't covered um, and yeah I think I think they just executed perfectly uh, another another example was um, in the fourth quarter which was the touchdown that sort of killed the game really though I think it was over before then but um, Joey Gatewood who they, they, they brought in he was stood at QB um, and everyone's expecting the keeper there which he'd done all season so far yeah. <laughs> um, and, and he, went, he went with the ball and then he just stopped dead <laughs> on a penny and just dropped a little pass into into a wide receiver who was just so 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 open because uh, mm-hmm. everyone was just expecting to get the ball himself and try and rush it into the end zone so I just think there was a couple of times when um, when Auburn the, the, the calls were fantastic and then I think as well one other thing that let Tamu down big time was coming out second half first play um they they run the football and they fumble, uh, they turn it over and Auburn score off, off that next play and that and that kind of killed the game for me. But again, that's about execution, isn't it? Like you say, I completely agree that that Gus Malzahn sort of out coached, but then again, you've got to execute and then when you get an opportunity through a turnover, then it's about taking advantage of it. So yeah, like you say, I think you summed up perfectly. So yeah, we'll move on uh, from that one. And we'll move from the team that's ranked 7th now to the team that was ranked 7th at the beginning of the season. And dropping <laughs> like a stone is Michigan. Uh, obviously uh, taking a big loss against uh, Wisconsin this weekend. And I just, wanted to, I just wanted to bring this up just for one reason, really. How, long, how much longer can Jim Harbaugh last in Michigan? It's... It's interesting, isn't it? I, I, I think I know that I've seen some some reactions on Twitter and some sort of rundowns um, where Michigan fans are now saying that he's got to go, and it's embarrassing. Um, I, I mean, just... his 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 record overall is is fairly good. I believe it's forty something and fifteen losses, which on right. the face of it doesn't seem horrendous. But one thing that's always kind of standing out to me in this sort of conversation is his record against top fifteen teams, which stands at four and eleven. Right. 
which obviously you, you can't have. Obviously, he's a big name. He's in charge of a big franchise, uh, not franchise, big program, sorry. Yeah. And he's just not getting it done. He's never beat Ohio State. He's now two and two against uh, Wisconsin, which are your direct rivals in the in the in the uh, Big Ten. You just can't hold this sort of record. I just think his uh, his leash is getting very very short. I wouldn't be surprised if he's let go fairly soon. No, I agree. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, the quarterback spot as well going forward. Because um, I don't know how much you caught of it. I, I actually only did catch up on the highlights on this one, having focused on um, uh-huh. the SEC, of course, this weekend. But um, Dylan McCaffrey was actually brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was. Dylan McCaffrey's younger brother, of course. Um, and he he was uh, hit quite brutally um, by uh, the Wisconsin safety Reggie Pearson. Um, again, that's another whole debate about what is targeting and what it isn't. I mean, he got ejected for it. There's an argument for me that sort of says when he's running at that pace towards someone who's just jumped in the air over another player in landing, how much of your body can you really control for going 100 miles an hour? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, McCaffrey then got the nod. Um, and But because of that, then obviously uh, he went off, he was injured, and then they brought Shea Patterson back in. So, Again, I don't know if maybe McCaffrey taking over the reins may enable um, may enable sort of a uh, slight change, turn of events at Michigan, but I, I've not seen enough been played, to be honest. Um, but I think it was earlier on in the year, Grizz was mentioning that he didn't rate Shea Patterson, wasn't it? And I feel yeah, like exactly. Was, he's not really that great. So I, I wonder if that could be part of the issue as well. But no, you're right. I mean, I think that, that record against top 15 kind of speaks volumes. And um, yeah, there are questions going to be asked for sure. I think one thing that's kind of keeping him in the job at the moment is the fact that he's a Michigan legend. You know, yeah. he's obviously you know, it's his alma mater, and he's got a lot of feeling for it. And he recruits well. To be fair, he's got a lot of good players. He's just they're just not producing. And I guess, like you say, one thing that's kind of maybe something that the, the guys upstairs and the, the guys sort of running the program know is that he's not really had a quarterback the whole time he's been there because Shea Patterson just isn't it. Unfortunately yeah. for him, uh, I can see him kind of going the way of someone like Trace McSorley, where he kind of changes position to sort of go up to the next level. I don't see him being a uh, quarterback at the next level at all. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just wanted to kind of mention that because I think it's quite, quite kind of a, a hot seat that's getting quite quite warm. And, um, yeah, that'd be good to see some movement on that in the next couple of weeks if things don't go well for Michigan. And yeah, I guess... Of course it oh, sorry, go on. Help. Sorry. I was going to say, it also doesn't help either when you're playing a Wisconsin team that, A, look very good, uh, and B, have Jonathan Taylor at running back. <laughs> you made my segue for me. I was just going to move on to Jonathan Taylor. Another monster performance for him. Uh, 203 yards off 23 carries at, and at 8.8 yards a clip, which ain't bad. And then he also scored twice as well. So, yeah, he's sort of the lifeblood of this team. They've got a great offensive line, always sort of seem to, even though they kind of lose players every year. They seem, always seem to have a great offensive line, well-drilled. And Jonathan Taylor's kind of reaping the benefits of it. And I was just going to put a question to, to you really quickly just on this game. Um, yeah, if it was a kind of, I know the Heisman Award is obviously very much a quarterback sort of award, but if we take the quarterbacks away, is Jonathan Taylor sort of the front runner? Um, I, I think, you, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I, I think it's John. So I was trying to sort of have a little think then about other players around different conferences, but I mean, he's got to be, he just ran the ball, well, Wisconsin is a team to be, he just ran the ball down Michigan's throat from, from the word go. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I've, I've forgotten now, uh, commentators said some kind of long times of this could be a career game for Jonathan Taylor, because I think, of, apart 
I'm sort of like leading them up the field on their first drive. I think his second touchdown, which was about 72 yards, I think he sort of came out of nowhere and, and ended up just sort of running the rest of the field. Yeah, he's great. He's a very good player. He's very quick. He's very strong. And um, yeah, you, you, you're probably on the money with regards to minus the QBs. He, he's got to be up there. I mean, it's a really good running back class, and I think he is definitely in the mix with the likes of Travis Etienne and DeAndre Swift, who we mentioned earlier. You know, has been the sort of ones who are right up there. But if you're sort of talking about the most sort of valuable and sort of best player, I think he'd be right up there because I think he's just like I say, he's the lifeblood of that Wisconsin team. They've not got a star at quarterback by any means, and like you say, they they just run run the ball down people's throats, and Jonathan Taylor's sort of the perfect foil for that. Hundred percent. So yeah, uh, yeah, we'll just wrap up there. I don't, I don't really need to discuss too much on that one. Just wanted to sort of mention about Harbour, mention about Jonathan Taylor. Um, Big Ten's kind of going as we expect. Ohio State looking good, uh, Wisconsin looking pretty good, and the rest not so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, for me, for me, SEC wise as well. If I may just briefly, yeah, no, go ahead. Joke about them. I, I, I see it now as um, as four SEC championship, well, four playoff contenders really. Um, you've got Alabama, LSU, Auburn, and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida, Florida are four zero, but they're not, they're not a contender in my opinion. Um, Trust did look quite good to be fair at quarterback, but it won't be enough. Um, sure. Tennessee, Tennessee aren't a great team. In fact, they're real bad in the SEC at the minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone added me on Twitter saying, "How could I? How could I drop Florida a place in my power rankings this week?" But the answer is simply because Auburn have gone above them. They've beaten a very good Oregon team, and they've won away at. Tamu, who are, who are a very good team, I think. Um, and plus, Florida have to play Auburn, LSU, and Georgia. And I don't, I simply don't think they're good enough to win all of those. Um, whereas I probably could currently make arguments for Georgia, Auburn, and LSU uh, to, to kind of beat one another or beat Alabama potentially. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, I mean, LSU are looking looking great now they've finally got an offence as well which is which is I was all, actually wanted to come on to LSU actually LSU are kind of surprising a lot of people because they've actually seemed to have got quarterback now it's crazy isn't it <laughs> and I, I've not been a great sort of advocate for Joe Burrow recently but I thought you know I thought he was a bit of a flash in the pan I thought yeah he's had a great start I don't think he's going like, to carry it on but you know at the weekend and oh, okay it's only Vanderbilt wasn't it who they played but again didn't turn the ball over, threw a bunch of touchdowns, racked up a load of yards, and he's looking great, to be honest with you. I'm going to start having to like, we eat my words a little bit on, uh, on Joe, Burrow, Joe Burrow if uh, he carries on. Yeah, no, but I completely agree. I think I actually, I have uh, someone I work with who's based in, in the US and uh, uh, LSU's her alma mater, and I, and I was speaking to her earlier on in the season, and I said, well, well, well you've got the great defence, you've got Grant Delpit, who we have to mention weekly on the pod, mm-hmm. otherwise it's not... Um, but you know Borough and LSU and and she sort of came back to me and said yeah but we're 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 throwing the ball now like we're Mm. passing it would always just be rushing um and and now they've actually got something to get excited about and they're putting tons of points on people so um yeah I've not I've not watched them so closely so far this season there's not really been those those big big games that that a few of the other SEC teams have had but yeah they're definitely looking good yeah, definitely. Like like you, I've only really watched them closely in the Texas game that we saw a couple of weeks ago. Um, but apart from that, I I have I need to kind of check in with him and watch him for a full game or watch some sort of tape on him because he's you know he's tearing up some trees. I would say he's really surprising everyone, um, especially me. And I'm like I say, going to have to eat my words. Very very likely that I'm going to have to do that by looks things. Yeah, well, the one thing it's going to be so fascinating as well, like in the West with Alabama and LSU, because I think. 
the one thing teams need to be able to do to beat Alabama is is score a load of points because really yes. <laughs> they're going to score a load of points. It doesn't really matter how good your defence is. With that wide receiving group and Tua, um, they look fantastic again this year. So, but 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 I mean, if Joe Burrow and, and the LSU guys can can deliver these sort of 60, 70 point games like they have been doing, then who knows? Kind of got a chance, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We. How many weeks are we now? We're into the fourth week that we've just we've just done the fourth week. We're not really mentioning Alabama too much throughout this season. Um, they've played a lot of cupcakes, I think. So maybe we'll mention them. Sort of more yeah. as we go along as they start to play better teams. But uh, yeah, just I just got popped into my head there that we've not really spoken to them too much, so we will get to them. We're not ignoring them. We're not sort of anti-Alabama podcast by any means. And one thing I did notice when I was sort of looking down this game, one thing we mentioned right at the beginning of doing these podcasts is to his little brother. And we we sort yeah. of said that he, we didn't know whether he was on the on the roster or not, but he actually made the field, didn't he? He made one pass for 20 yards against Southern Miss, the mighty Southern Miss. So yeah, he's there, and um, yeah, essentially going to be, yes, essentially going to be uh, yeah taking over from his brother, um, and or at least getting a chance to in the next year or so. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's, it's I saw a headline today actually. I didn't actually read the article, but I I, I assumed it was something to do with that when it said why why Alabama aren't in trouble at quarterback when when two leaves. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely one to one to keep your eye on. Definitely, I think he's a freshman at the moment. So, uh, yeah. you know, when Tua goes to the NFL um, in a matter of months, in six months' time or so, yeah, you know, we'll have a QB battle on our hands. I say. Yeah, for sure. So we'll move on from the conference with a bunch of playoff contenders to the conference with none now. <laughs> and you can you can sort of see the on hear the the dip in my voice because you know what we're going to talk about. Obviously, we woke up on. It'd be Saturday morning with Utah having lost to USC. And I just think this is the stake in the heart of the Pac-12 and its sort of playoff aspirations. I know that Cal are unbeaten at the moment, but I don't see that sort of progressing. Like I said last week, I thought there was Utah, Washington, Oregon, and uh, another one that I've forgotten for some reason. Anyway, I thought there was four. I can't think. I've totally blanked. Anyway... Now I think they've all lost. And well, I, was, I was going to say, was they were three and zero until the weekend, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, this was pre-season. I think. Yeah, oh, no, it's okay. I, I'm completely blanking still, so never mind. <laughs> but yeah, I think that I think that the the Pac-12 is done because obviously I think you're going to have a few unbeaten teams. We're going to have probably two from the SEC um, who are going to make it into the playoff. One unbeaten team, at least. We're going to have maybe an unbeaten Big Ten champion. And unbeaten Clemson, potentially an unbeaten Oklahoma or Texas as well. So, yeah, the Pac-12 aren't going to make it, and that's a real shame. I guess it's another yeah. case of the conference just eating each other alive. And um, but that's kind of why I like it. I guess I mean it's kind of competitive, and you don't get the sort of disparity that you're talking about with the SEC at the moment, where it's kind of in two halves. Oh, for sure. No, and it's great. And it's I've got to be honest. As I said I didn't didn't pay a huge amount of attention to the Pac-12 last year. Your preseason review was fantastic, and it made me sort of realise actually, yeah, the, these teams do all beat each other. Um, I mean, I think there's still there's still hope. There's still hope for Oregon. If they if they if if their one loss this season is Auburn and Auburn continue to have a good season, then True. I think there's, there's, there's there's hope. But again, you look at the schedule and. Uh, just because everyone kind of does beat each other, you can see him maybe losing to Washington or something, and then that just kind of like like finishing. But yeah, um, it's definitely an interesting league. <laughs> yeah, especially with the with the loss coming so early. Yeah, you know, you've got a lot of games to get through without having to make as much of a mistake throughout the, the season. Uh, so yeah, no, I think you're right. Maybe Oregon are the best hope 
for uh, for someone to get in there. But you know, if we're going to have three unbeaten teams and a and a one loss SEC second place team, then it ain't going to happen. I don't think. Maybe not. <laughs> but anyway. That <laughs> we'll end on that sort of down note and me being really upset about the pack for being <laughs> being uh, being sort of down and out. Um so yeah, what um what have you got on the horizon Tom? We'll just sort of round out with this. What have you got on the horizon for sort of writing wise? Have you got any sort of ideas for articles coming up? I know we sort of dropped that one on the weekend about uh Cash Daniel. Uh, have you got anything else on the horizon? Yeah, certainly, yeah. So um again, it's been a busy busy time work wise. Um sure. find some time this um well, enjoyed just that little piece on the Cash Daniel incident, which is an interesting one to be fair, because uh, absolutely no action has been taken, and I and I thought that was a bit a bit suspect, really. Yes, yeah, yeah me exactly. too. Um, but yeah, um, article-wise, I'm as you said, I'm in Portugal this week, so I have got a bit of spare time in my hands, and I'm really looking forward to. Well, I'm already working on um, a little comparison piece, so I'm basically looking at my SEC preview and the calls I made and the takes I made um, or had, um, and basically looking at come true and what has been completely wrong so far through and <laughs> um, so yeah that, um, we'll keep an eye out for that one uh, for later on this week um yeah that's a little comparison piece so far yeah it should be good no looking forward to that um you've actually given me an idea of maybe doing that for for my one and seeing how wrong i was as well especially because <laughs> all the all the teams have beaten each other and yeah um not going to get puff contender, as I said. But yeah, no, that Cash Angels piece is really good. Um, I'd recommend people to go over that. And if they've sort of missed the incident, it gives a really good overview of it as well. Um, yeah. yeah, a little bit of a naughty, naughty action that went on last week. And yeah, like you, I was pretty surprised again that, that sort of that was gone unpunished. Um, but yeah, no, that's really good. Looking forward to sort of seeing your uh, comparison piece. And I guess will you kind of do that sort of as the season progresses as well, maybe, maybe once more. Yeah, for sure. It's, I think it's, it's a nice idea. Um, be good if we again we can get that done for the different conferences we cover. Mm. And um, yeah, as again, hopefully there'll be um, hopefully there'll be one or two things we predict. Not yeah, stages <laughs> Alabama winning the SEC. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, hopefully, um, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 see that we do sort of know what we're talking. Yeah, we'd hope so, wouldn't we? <laughs> okay. Um, just before we go, Tom, do you want to give out your handles where we can find you and all that uh, social media business? Yes. So mine's uh, on Twitter at blogsboz, uh, which I'm sure you'll be able to find as well if you check out the uh, Full Ten Yards College Football um, Twitter account, which I'll let you shout out. But obviously, we retweet each other a lot, and uh, yes. yeah, it'd be great to just. Uh, hear your guys' thoughts and um, let let us know as well if you have any questions for these pods and if there's anything in particular you want to know about the conferences. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, uh, it's, it's, it's been good, and we've had some good feedback as well. Uh, haven't spoken with Tim as well at the full ten yards about people um, appreciating that there's 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 now sort of a, a an outlet for college football in the UK, which is uh, really really great to hear, and just makes you realise that it's there. Uh, it's it's not just doing it for us to have a conversation. It is <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I think I think you've, you've summed that up really nicely. Um, we have got a lot of good feedback, and we just want to sort of say thank you to everyone who sort of gives us a listen, sort of gives us feedback, gives us sort of comments online, um, and reads our articles and listens to our podcast as well. So yeah, thank you to everyone who yeah, kind of who kind of got sort of gets involved and uh, yeah, kind of spread the love. Um, we need more people to get involved and kind of get more people into college football because it's a growing thing here in the UK and. As, the, as American football grows in the UK, just in general, really, obviously with the NFL and everything like that. So, yeah, like Tom said, if you want to give us a follow, that is uh, on Twitter, at Full10YardsCFB. And if you want to give me a follow, um, my uh, handle is at Wakefield90. 
so yeah like i say thanks for your shares retweets likes and all that jazz um and keep listening so yeah we're just going to round that out now uh, really good podcast really enjoyed that one yeah, uh, we lost we lost Thomas. He had to sort of shoot off after the um, UCLA conversation. He was sort of waylaid a little bit this evening. Um, so it's just good to get him on, get his thoughts on his team and Definitely. the Eric King situation. But yeah, if you're wondering why he's sort of not spoken for ages, when we weren't just like not including <laughs> him in the conversation, he did have to shoot off. Um, so yeah, no, thanks for that. Um, yeah, Tom, we'll say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from you. Goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. So yeah, we'll see you on the other side, people. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.